stomping around Foxborough and his hugs. Episode 21 of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. I'm Matt Franchise. Right along with me, as always, my buddy Matt Harmon. We are the Fantasy Hipsters. What's going on, Harmon? In, uh, in podcast years, like episodes to years, uh, our podcast is now old enough to drink. 21 years old. No, Don't need a fake ID anymore. We can get into the club. It's a good thing it's old enough to drink now, considering we talk about beer. On that is also uh, a very good point to make. Uh, <laughs> So we've been uh, subtly, unsubtly promoting underage drinking on this show the entire time. Mm, just maybe. to be, j- just to be clear, uh, you should always wait until you're 21 years old to drink. Obviously, yeah. just like we both did. You know how, like, on all the, the alcohol websites, they make you like put your date of birth in before you. Like, what? That's so easy to lie yeah. on. Alcohol websites. What are you doing? Give me a break. Who are you fooling? Like, really? That's like <laughs> it's like the same thing as they say. You know, the NFL. The, the NFL scouting combine, the drug test is like really just a stupid test because if you fail that, like right. you obviously were you're too stupid to stop smoking weed in time to pa- to pass. This is essentially like that. You you can obviously lie to get onto these websites, but if you can't do the math in your head to make yourself 21, if you're not 21, right. then you're too stupid to get in. I mean, some of the sites like have the years turn green when it means you're you'd be 20. Like it gives it away. To That's you. true. Some of them are just yes or no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you 21? Yes. Yeah. All right, you're in. Uh, yeah, cool. Now I can read about beers. Great. Yeah. It would, Whatever. Yeah, well, I guess like, <laughs> yeah, who, re- who really cares? It's not like, it's like, click here for free beer and it pops out of your computer. That's right. But All right, well, good talk. We got an awesome, exciting episode today. We're going to talk about your brainchild called Reception Perception. Ah, I've heard of that before. You have heard of it. So have I. So we're going to get into, we're going to get into that pretty deep in a bit, but first... A website that doesn't ask you your age before logging in. But do, it, do champs grooming. But it does ask you, are you are you busted? Right. And if you say, yes, I'm ugly and busted, they're like, here, we can help you. Yeah, that's do champs grooming. It's vintage-inspired handmade grooming products for the modern-day man. They are the official sponsor of the Fantasy Hipsters podcast. That's true. And just for clarification's sake, there's actually no busted test on the uh, Do Champs Grooming site. I just wanted to make that clear for obvious legal reasons. Right. Um, my my like my legal team has said, as they are here with us, has said to, to be correct about these sort of things. Anyways, yeah, so Do Champs Grooming. You go there, dochampsgrooming.co. They've got every kind of thing that you could possibly need to make yourself look good if you are a modern day man you they've got beard wax they've got or they've got beard balm they've got beard oil they've got hair wax hair serum anything you could possibly need they'll hook you up and for our listeners especially mm-hmm. you we have a unique promo code if you type in hipsters pod at your checkout you will get 15% off your order so go to dochampsgrooming.co right now like them on Instagram like them on Facebook follow them on Twitter and just get, be, be a part of the club. Come on, we're a part of it, so obviously it's cool. Boom. All right. All right. Let's get it. Let's get it. Well, I mean, first we have a pretty big news item. Huge news this week in the wide receiver world. Um, a pretty big move and shake did occur. 
Um, and that is that Julian Edelman yes, has news, big news. has uh, debuted a pizza show alongside Guy Fieri. Wow. I know. How exciting. Did you He's, watch the trailer? I did. It was terrible. What? I hated every second of it. Okay, so there's a lot going on here. Um, <laughs> one... <laughs> Uh, go, the, just just Google it first yeah. of all. Just Google Julian Edelman, and the first thing that will come up is his Boston Globe pizza video. Right. So the show is called One Nibble with Julian Edelman, featuring featuring Guy Fieri, and uh, it's actually it seems like he stirred up a little bit of a ruckus with one of the barstool sports jabronis. Yes. Uh, because he's got like a show called One Bite, and Edelman was like, "Fair use, bro." Ripped him off. He, yeah, just totally ripped it off. Whatever. All good. Who cares? Don't does no problem with that. Um, so that's one thing. Second thing, Julian Edelman is essentially laying out his career, the career path that I want to take, which is life after football. Get into being a culinary expert. Well, I mean, you already had the Brussels sprouts thing. That's that's retired and put to bed. Right. That is retired and put but to bed. But you're building a repertoire here. Right. So that eventually, when I'm forced out of uh, football media, just like eventually Julian Edelman will be forced out of playing football right he's got another thing to, to dive right back into and that's kind of what i'm trying to do as well as a, as a culinary expert i like the strategy you know um, maybe maybe edelman's threatened by brandon cooks being there now so he's like you know what screw football let's do pizza oh definitely yeah. i think you're on to something there. Yeah, yeah but let's talk about this though so if you haven't watched the trailer i guess you should it is kind of it does it's pretty boring actually to be honest with you it's, it's just terrible it's mostly just guy fieri looking like what are you talking about is julian he looks edelman, so yeah. mad and upset every time julian edelman opens his mouth he's like why am i here it definitely basically. looks awkward hopefully Hopefully the actual show is a little bit better. But one thing I did note from this trailer, check out Edelman, yo. He's cut. He's looking, he does not look like he's ready ready for retirement. He's looking good. He looks good. His arms are jacked. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a buff, he's a little dude compared to the other guys on the football field. But when you just see him regular, he yeah, looks, he's, he's ripped. He looks like he's pushing two bills, you know? Yeah. Maybe 210, squatty, cut up i like it um anyway so that uh so that's that bit of news guy ferrari doesn't look ripped though he just looks no. upset guy fieri looks like he always looks with his glasses with his yellow hair and uh, well, props to guy ferrari for not having his shades on the back of his head because he usually you know how he wear he wears them like when he's inside and, and stuff that really just ticks me off i hate it <laughs> so good job the sun's out they're on your eyes protect your eyes good job guy ferrari Terrible, terrible video, but it's it's entertaining if you want to check it out. I get kind of a kick out of Guy Fieri, I'll be honest with you. He annoys me. Mm, whatever. <clears throat> All right. That's the biggest news of the week. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, no, other wide, no other wide receiver news has occurred in the last uh, few days. No, none at all. So let's move on to reception perception. Okay. What I mean, you know, let's let's get into this. You you have you are a partnership with fantasy footballers, right? right? So long-time listeners or followers of Reception Perception yeah. would know that uh, this offseason I did partner with the fantasy footballers to release an unprecedented amount of data to, to the public. I mean, normally I chart about you know 25-something, maybe 30-ish guys in offseason in terms of professional NFL receivers. This year, I signed up to chart their top 50 projected receivers and let it go into their ultimate draft kit. And so right. when you buy the ultimate draft kit, which is $29.99, if you go to receptionperception.com and hover your mouse over my face there. Yeah, look for the Harmon face. Yeah, you can't miss it. It's yeah. beautiful as ever. Actually, it's like that picture's like two years old now. You can have know. a full beard in that one. I know. Oh, weird. Those are the days, huh? Nah, kind of. <laughs> I'm living life. Right. Uh, and 
Uh, so you hover your mouse over my face, there's a link to buy the Ultimate Draft Kit from there. Um, and yeah, you get more reception perception data than, than has ever been out there before. You get anything you could possibly need. You get profiles on the top 50 receivers that they've projected, plus all of the rookie data on the 2017 class. And you get league-wide metrics in terms of success rate versus coverage, contested catch rate, how often a receiver runs a route. So mm -hmm. anything that you possibly want is in there. It's crazy. I just logged in, and I'm, my mind is blown. There, You could spend a 1,000 hours in there just, just sorting things and, and taking uh, stats nuggets away to help you prepare for your fantasy draft. So basically what you're telling us is you haven't seen the sun since January because you've been charting 50 more wide receivers. And uh, now it's all live well, for, the, for the people to consume. So check this out. So I went hiking this weekend. Yeah. Look how bad of a like tan line I got on ah. my neck there. Ah, so you have seen the sun. Well, I've seen the sun now because the this was released on June 1st. Right. So I was finally able to go out and to see the sun. So right. I went out this weekend. Um, obviously, I was still wearing a shirt while I was hiking. So, but your now fair I, exposed yeah, skin and I just got an outrageous, you know, been damaged. Tan. Right. Yeah. Right. So that's how. Yeah, you're right. I had been in in the in the cage for so long. Yeah. Finally let out. And yeah. Now, yeah. So you, there's good categorical proof. Nice. And the people, it's there for the people. So, for people who are unaware of what reception perception is, can you kind of put it in layman's terms? What is it? Why did you create it? How can it help them in, in fantasy football? Sure. So reception perception is my own unique methodology to evaluate the wide receiver position. I came right. up with it um, almost four years ago now uh, and really debuted it the summer of the, before the 2014 season. So and that was that big rookie year of the rookie wide receiver. Yeah, right? exactly. Right. So really one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons that went into it. One of which is I needed something to kind of make myself stand out as a big nobody in the field and get right. myself noticed. It worked. Um, it, 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 it does seem to have worked. Uh, and the other re another reason was that like the wide receiver position at that time was really peaking. It was becoming more and more important. You know, you had like the long term studs that had been there, like Larry Fitzgerald and those guys. But then you had this kind of up and coming group like Antonio Brown and and some of those players, Des Bryant, were hitting their kind of primes at that point. But then you also, yeah, had that outrageous rookie class that was coming into the NFL. So it just seemed like a perfect time to be focusing on the wide receiver position. So another reason why I wanted to get in on it. But the main one is that, um, you know, you hear all the time about like, oh, well, this guy's a good route runner. This guy grades a 7 out of 10 uh, as a route runner on my draft scale or whatever. And I'm like, what the hell does that even mean? You know, right. what, are, what are these words you're saying mean? Uh, you know, we talk, you hear on like Sunday broadcasts, the, the, the game announcer will say like, oh, well, you know, quarterback's got nobody to throw to, nobody's getting open, or like their guy's running open downfield all the time, but nobody, but the quarterback's just not hitting them. I wanted to go in and actually find that out. I wanted to quantify, like take that qualify, qualitative reality and actually put it to a quantifiable percentage so uh, what I do is I go over for an eight game sample for NFL players and a six game sample for college players because that's where I've seen the data normalize I go in and I chart every single route that they run um, in that in those games uh, I chart how often they run each route how often they get open on each route which is their success rate versus coverage and also how often they beat man zone press double coverage and then also some ancillary metrics in terms of uh, how often they convert a contested catch, how well do they do breaking tackles uh, after the catch. So right. pretty much anything that you need to know about a wide receiver uh, and how they play the game, uh, reception perception uh, will tell you that. And cool. uh, so in terms of how it can help fantasy owners or people that just want to be more woke about the game in general, right. 
Uh, you know, obviously one of the biggest hits of the series was calling Allen Robinson's breakout before it happened to the 2015 season. I think right. that's one thing that the series can be really good at is showing like, oh, this guy is getting open on a routine basis. He's scoring out like guys like Des Bryant or, or whatever. He's just not getting the targets. And then when the targets come, when opportunity strikes for these players, uh, then you can really see them have that big breakout season. It also just helps you understand what they're good at. You know, maybe a guy doesn't score very well against press coverage, but he's good. He has a good success rate versus coverage scores on deep routes, and that shows you he's maybe he's not like a traditional number one, but a super helpful vertical threat. Or, for example, an Alshon Jeffries, a great one who doesn't have great success rate versus coverage scores. He scores right around you know the 55th percentile or, or whatever, um, but he is dominant on contested catches. So he kind of again really puts into a category and an archetype of what a wide receiver is, what he does well. So that can help you identify team fits uh, or fit with a quarterback as well. Right. So it's an evaluation tool to see who's good at what, not necessarily to predict fantasy football production, which is important for our listeners to remember, but it can help our listeners in, when they're sitting there on their draft board and maybe they need some kind of tiebreaker to decide between two wide receivers. Wide receivers, They can look at your data and say, look, this guy's better in so many routes over this guy, so I'm going to draft him instead. Right? Well, it's type the, of stuff like that. It's the consummate, you know, talent versus opportunity question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's good to be talented and to be a, a good football player. That's one thing. But fantasy scoring is based on so much more than that. You right. know, pace of your offense, how often you're going to be out on the field, uh, how many targets you're going to get when you're on the field. And sometimes talent is not a predictor of opportunity, but also sometimes talent does create opportunity. So this is, in my opinion, the best way to evaluate a wide receiver's talent. And then that kind of helps you know to be on the lookout for when these players might do well. I mean, we'll talk about some players today um, that are really good at reception perception and have big time opportunity on their plates. And that's when I think you really want to hammer those players because you know, like, not only are they about to get a big share of their offensive pie, but you also know they're good enough to eat it. So right. it's kind it's of, kind of like all the stars aligning. Essentially, yes. Right. Right. All right. So let's get into this. You charted the 2016 seasons of the top 50 wide receivers per fantasy footballers rankings mm -hmm. heading into 2017. And just as a just as an aside, there will be more added as I continue to because look, right. 50 was like the assigned number, but come on, right. you guys know me. I'm always curious for you, a little more. You do so. more, and you did a lot of rookies too. Oh yeah, I did 19 rookies this year. Um, so we're already at. 69, 69 yeah, water it's very it's a very nice, nice. unfortunately i'll have to go over the nice but uh you know guys like brashad perryman sterling shepherd those guys are gonna be charted and then go in there later so be on the lookout for that cool that's the good thing about this draft kit is it's not like a magazine it up it, we're gonna the footballers are gonna update their rankings and their tiers that are also in there and it's also really badass um and those are gonna get updated as well but i'll also be putting in new reception perception data as i continue to work through it in the preseason that's called internet magic internet magic right ba -da -da. all right so you have 50 wide receivers done they're published uh, receptionperception.com. You can go buy the draft kit. You can log into this data. You can sort by all kinds of ways. So, Matt Hart, mm -hmm. what have you uncovered from these top 50 guys that you think is important for people to know? Uh, surprises, sleepers, disappointments, maybe some guys fantasy owners, owners should steer clear of based on the results, uh, specific players you want to get into. Well, there's a lot. Let's, let's lay it out. You well, want to start with players or you want to... Yeah, why don't you throw some players at me, and then and then we'll we'll just kind of take maybe and maybe whole wide receiver cores that we think are fascinating, and and we'll sure. go from there. All right, well let's start with your guy, Allen Robinson. Then. Sure. 
So obviously I mentioned Robinson was super successful uh, in both his 2014 and 2015 season in reception perception. Uh, and then obviously he did not have a great fantasy season this year. Right. Um, he still had about 800 yards and six touchdowns or whatever. But, you know, w- w- if you own down Robinson in fantasy this year, you know it was a, it was a, it was a chore. Right. Because um, he was borderline first-round pick in drafts last year. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would have taken him. In, I took him in the mid to late first round in a mm-hmm. couple of drafts too, which, you know, no he surprise. didn't return that value. Yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's a good article out on Bleacher Report by Tyler Dunn too where he talked about like the frustrations of this season and just everything that went along with it. So mm-hmm. and I think some of, and some of that definitely shows up in his reception perception. So, you know, it I, it was really re, it was vital to kind of revisit the results after this 2016 season and his success rate versus zone coverage score was actually the highest of his 3-year career but his uh Man coverage score fell from 73.6% in 2015 to 66.9% in 2016, and his press coverage score went down from 75 to 69.8%. Now, both those two scores are still above the the NFL average for wide receivers, but they're obviously off the pace of what we would normally expect from Robinson. Um, the biggest difference, however, and I think this kind of tells you why his production really fell off alongside with those, is his drop rate was higher than ever, and his contested catch conversion rate uh, fell down to 56%, and that was the first time in his three-year career that it was below the NFL average. So a lot of those 50-50 balls, and he also led the NFL in per- percentage of his uh, targets that were a contested catch. So, And I think that's what... This is something that reception perception can be really illuminating in is if you look at his route tree percentage chart in terms of like what routes he ran most often, all of the routes that are league average or above league average are the ones that are intermediate and deep routes. And Mm -hmm. he was also pressed more than any, almost more than any other receiver this year. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and that was interesting to visit when uh, Doug Marone took over as the head coach in the last two games of the season there was all those stories about how he was moving him around or whatever, and he did indeed play more sla- more snaps at flanker as opposed to just straight X going at press coverage against the top corner every single time, did more to move him around and get him the ball, and those two games he was much more productive than we normally would see. So Got it. I would like to see the Jags in 2017 follow more of that plan that they did in 15 and late in this season too, where they move him around the formation, get him into into situations where he can run some slants, get some more just layups as opposed to everything being a super high degree of difficulty pass. Right, makes sense. It was kind of like 2015 tipped defenses off, and they were kind of locking in on him. Yeah, and and they just knew they had confidence that Bortles was not going to make those 50-50 right. throws like he did as well uh, in 2015. So. You know, and it was it was a down year for Robinson as a as a player. I mean, there's no like there's no like sugarcoating that, and the, that shows up in the numbers. And he's even said that publicly himself that it was obviously a down year. And but I think we know because his first two seasons were really so strong um, in a number of ways in reception perception. I think we can have pretty good confidence that he's going to bounce back in in 2017, especially again if they dial in his route tree to more have have him run some more short routes if they're going to pump 150 targets at him again you'd like to see it not all be super high degree of difficulty stuff well hell yeah dynasty owners of Allen robinson that's what they want to hear that's what you would like to hear right? hell yeah hold on to that guy he's he's actually good yeah, he's definitely still actually good and it, that's a, it was good to see that it while it was a down year it wasn't like a complete catastrophe right all right, so let's move on. A guy we've talked about a lot on this podcast because he's one of your favorite kind of sleeper guys coming into this year. We talked about him last week with Evan Silva. Um, check out that episode if you haven't. 
Cameron Meredith, the Chicago Bears. He kind of emerged a little bit last year as their, their volume guy with Alshon Jeffrey getting hurt. Uh, so what did Reception Perception tell you about uh, Cameron Meredith? Yeah, and this is an important one, too, for two reasons, because we joked off the top about there being no uh, wide receiver news. Um, right. Obviously, Jeremy Macklin was in the news this week, and we will talk about him and Tyreek Hill later. But another piece of news that is also that also popped up this week, and you know, people might not have heard about as much, is that Cameron Meredith did have a, a, a thumb injury, oh. which might push him up near the... Uh, like the training camp deadline. Yeah. Um, and, but uh, Mer- Meredith is super impressive to me and I hope that this injury doesn't slow his progress. Uh, and so if you remember Cameron Meredith's season, he had some games where he popped early on, but he really started smashing. Um, and Evan Silva highlighted this last week when he moved into the slot, when he got to face some interior corners. Um, and the big question with Meredith is where is he going to play this year? Because the Bears brought in Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, uh, Victor Cruz, this offseason, all guys who have played some slot receiver in their career. Right. Um, is Meredith going to be able to function outside? And largely, reception perception was really positive when he was playing outside. Um, his success rate versus press coverage was the only thing that was really noticeably different, but his success rate versus zone and man coverage was still above the uh, 60th percentile if, if, when he was playing his weeks outside as opposed to inside. Obviously, again, his numbers did go up when he moved into the slot. That's generally to be expected for for outside receivers that move inside, but I am still pretty convinced that he can maintain that pace if he continues to play outside. Meredith was super impressive. We know he's a big-time athlete, but uh, his 69.8% success rate versus man coverage tested out at the 68th percentile, um, and his 87th percentile success rate versus zone coverage really showed you how well he can beat interior players. Um, the only real negative on him was his contested catch conversion rate came out at 45.5%, um, and that was below the 10th percentile. But otherwise, he was really impressive on short to intermediate routes um, as well as vertical routes such as the post and corner. So to me, he has this is exactly the type of guy that passes the reception perception test and is about to inherit some big-time opportunity. So I really like Cameron Meredith. Um, I actually sold Amir Abdullah for Cameron Meredith in a dynasty league. Uh, earlier this year after putting him through these results. Spicy. So I'm a big, big, big Meredith fan, and I think reception perception shows why. Do you th- Are you concerned at all about the quarterback situation there in terms of Meredith's production? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously not ideal, um, but I do think if he can establish himself as, like, the clear number one, which to me, I mean, he's the only guy that's put up any good film the last two years of these players. Yeah. Because uh, Marcus Wheaton was a zero last year. Kendall Wright can never seem to stay on the field or even when he is healthy like remain on the field he's had some good games here and there but the Tennessee coaching staff soured on him didn't really play him all that much in any sort of regular basis uh Kevin White has never been good in the NFL uh and Victor Cruz is washed so to me I think Cameron Meredith is the one who can get enough volume to overcome quarterback concerns and again it like this guy was producing with Brian who I, I like Brian Hoyer but you know, he's producing with Brian Hoyer last year and then Matt Barkley at the end of the season. So I don't think we should worry too much about the uh, quarterback situation. Cool. Especially if the Bears are going to be in negative game script and throwing a lot more. Like, I don't think he has top 10 sort of upside, but I think where he's going right now in like the mid-30s to 40s in wide receivers, he's clearly worth that value. I mean, I, I've taken him in the sixth round in a couple of NFL 10s, which wow. is aggressive, but I think he can return that value. Yeah, fantasy football calculator, he's going at – 
wide receiver 44 uh, second pick of the 10th round right now so if he's yeah. gonna be that guy with like 90 to 110 targets or something yeah that's see, crazy that's, good value there yeah that's pretty much stealing to me yeah all right let's move on to uh the next we got uh cory coleman on the cleveland browns yeah coleman was interesting because i don't really know that like you can take so much away from his rookie season because he was hurt uh, a lot and also like seemed to take forever to kind of come back from that injury. Yeah. Uh, also the Browns offense in general is pretty dysfunctional, but Coleman stood out to me for one specific reason. And well, two, two things in particular. So if you remember his uh, route, like the big criticism of him coming out of Baylor was that like he didn't run a full route tree or whatever. He was definitely used on more routes as a rookie, but if you look at uh, his route success rate charts, the only routes that he scored out above the NFL average was the screen, slant, curl, and dig. So again, that real short uh, kind of minimized space. And that kind of, you'd expect him to be a big deep threat. And the Browns sure as hell tried to make him one. Coleman ran more nine routes. 32.5% of his routes were, were a go route. Um, that was more than any other receivers that I charted inside that fantasy footballers top 50. Wow. I mean, obviously he can be a dangerous vertical threat, but I think that really ignored what Coleman's best trait is, which is his ability to make uh, plays after the catch. I ch mentioned I chart that too. I call them in space attempts, so an opportunity a player gets in the open field to break a tackle. And he was only in space on 5% of his routes, and the NFL average is 8%. Uh, so I would like to see those two numbers kind of normalize. Again, maybe Coleman can be a player if he gets more layups, you know, is, is able to establish himself as more of a wide receiver, you know, the, the Browns' number one wide receiver. Again, the problem for Corey Coleman, though, is he's hurt right now, already is hurt and had some sort of weird injury where I guess he fell on the ball. But, it's you know, it seems like there's more going on there with him. But Coleman's definitely a player that if, if you see his usage – kind of start to normalize. Um, he's one that I'll be watching, like in pre provided he's playing, like in preseason, to see if he's used in a more traditional top-wide receiver way than he was as a rookie, and especially if they're going to get him into into plays where he can find his way into the open field and break tackles after the catch, because that was really where he was where he's best at in college, and even though he wasn't used very often there in his first year in the NFL, he only went down on first contact on 28.6% of his in-space attempts, and that was the second lowest among receivers I charted this year. So you'd like to see him have more chances at that. Cool. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next guys on our list are the Packers wide receiving course. We got Jordy Nelson, uh, Devontae Adams, and Randall Cobb, who had kind of a down year last year. What did you uncover? Are they all in the top 50? Yeah, they were all there. Yeah, they're all, all right. they're all in the in the in the reception perception section of the ultimate draft kit. Let's start with Jordy Nelson. So I want to I want to yeah. ask you though first, yeah. like, where do you stand on Jordy Nelson this year? Because I mean, right now he's like a borderline first to second round pick in in fantasy leagues. Where where do you value him? I just don't know if I would feel confident with him as my wide receiver one. But it's hard to say that about a guy who's. Aaron Rodgers is number one guy. Yeah, he and had like, like 90-something catches last year, 14 touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, and he started slow, and he was coming off the ACL, and everyone thought he was dead because he didn't do anything for like four weeks. And then they started moving him around. They started uh, using him in the slot a little more, and then that's when he really started to produce, and I think maybe he was, he was kind of getting back up to 100% after a whole year off with the ACL thing. And the, the chemistry him and Rodgers have is just magical. Like, right. There's only a handful of guys who have that kind of connection and they've been playing together for so long. I just don't know if I could be cool with him as my wide receiver one, like in the first round, maybe I take him like mid second round. I think he's a top 10 guy. 
-hmm. but I don't know if he's a first rounder. So you mentioned those splits from the first to second half of the season. Yes. And again, you can make the argument that maybe it's because he was getting back up to speed after an ACL tear in 2015 um, because his overall success rates weren't that good. His success rate versus man coverage at 61.9% and press coverage at 63.2%, you know, were well below what he was what we used to see from Nelson. Yeah. Um, so in the four game sampled in the first half of the season, Nelson took just 16.5% of his snaps from the slot and his success rate versus man and press coverage were 58.1% and 58% respectively. So obviously really, really poor. Not good. Um, now during the final, the final four games sampled in the second half of the year, his slot snaps jumped to 34.4% and his success rates increased to 66.7 and 71.1%. So okay. that was much better. Um, you'd like to see him again be used more inside, uh, you know, kind of the way that Larry Fitzgerald has transitioned in the second half of his career into being more of a high volume intermediate to slot, intermediate to short area slot receiver. I think it's time for Nelson to become that player because he no longer scored as scores out as like a traditional number one wide receiver. Yeah. Um, that brings us to Randall Cobb, though, who was retained and was their primary slot receiver last year and has been for most of his career. Um, Cobb is one of the most disappointing players to me in reception perception. I, I remember his his 2015 season was so good, um, or excuse me, 2014 season was so good in reception perception. I wrote an article in the Washington Post about how impressive it was. Um, at this point, though, he's really no longer that player. Um, he still maintains a really strong success rate versus zone coverage, which is good for being an inside slot receiver, but um, he doesn't really come out above the NFL average on any routes that he normally runs except like improvisational routes. So um, at this point, Cobb is definitely just a role player. Uh, it remains to be seen like how big that role is. Um, and But I do think that he's enough established as their slot receiver because if you ever hear Aaron Rodgers talk about Randall Cobb, he talks about him in such a complimentary way. Um, he, even after that game against the Giants where he had a massive playoff explosion, he, you know, Aaron Rodgers was very clear in saying to the reporter on the sideline, we're a better team when number 18 is on the field. And listen, what Aaron Rodgers wants, Aaron Rodgers gets. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't really matter what we think, how good Cobb is at this point anymore. Um, Rodgers still definitely really wants him out on the field. Um, so maybe he'll have a little bit of a bounce back from he had uh, 60 catches for 610 yards and four touchdowns. Last right. Year. That was not good. And he also wasn't, I mean, this his injuries could be affecting his success rates here because he was banged up with like an angle injury mm -hmm. a number of times. Um, but really he just didn't have very many good games, like actual good games that I charted. Even when he was productive, it was mostly just, you know, short stuff or, or whatever so it's, interesting it's just hard for me to get too excited about Cobb at this point in his career and Adams is fascinating because if like again longtime followers of the series will remember that he was a player I was super low on coming into the 2015 season and then he sure enough was a really big disappointment um, but he's grown. He's he's expanded his game since then. And and I say expanded his game. Really, he he only does a few things very well because his overall success rate versus man coverage fifty eight point two percent. That falls below the twenty third percentile. But again, it's a that's a pretty far cry from the forty seven percent success rate he posted as a rookie back in twenty fourteen. Um, so he's clearly getting a little bit better. Um, his success rate versus zone coverage is really high. Um, he's also now above the fiftieth percentile at getting off the line of scrimmage versus press. Um, the best way that what I think he's best at though is running slant routes and post routes. You know those intermediate, those deep and short 
in-breaking quick strike routes in the West Coast offense and also winning the ball in tight coverage. Adams uh, uses his 75% contested catch conversion rate to uh, kind of mitigate the fact that he's not a very good separator. And I think Rodgers really trusts him on those passes. So Cobb, to me, I don't see, like, I guess the question with him would be, does he have the upside to take um, over like the number one receiver role? I, I don't really think so. I think he's a high value number two receiver at, at best. And I think some of the reception perception shows why that would be. Interesting. So I'm thinking about, you said maybe uh, with Jordy Nelson, like he's getting older, you said maybe it's time for him to sort of change his role in the way Larry Fitzgerald uh, did and become a, kind of a slot guy. So do you think Adams, you said you don't think Cobb has the, the chance to become the number one guy you think Adams does? I don't think either of them are really no, like traditional number one receivers. Okay. I think the Packers need to... I thought they would have considered it more in this draft a, a need in terms of... They did of, draft a wide out, I think. They drafted, I think, D'Angelo Yancey and Malachi Dupree, yeah, in the, Dupree on yeah. the third day. Right. Um, but I thought they would you know, maybe do a, a second to third round pick. That's traditionally where mm-hmm. uh, Ted Thompson has tried to hammer the wide receiver position, but maybe it's something that they look at next year. I, they I, also have Marty Bennett there now, too. That is true. They do. That's, that's a factor in and, all these roles. Yeah, and I think they could essentially just say we don't really need a traditional number one, or right, maybe they right. think Nelson is still that traditional number one, but it makes me a little bit nervous how low some of his success rates were. Gotcha. All right, that w- that's a deep dive on the Packers receiving core. Let's talk about a guy who's generated a lot of hype this offseason in Miami. Uh, Devontae Parker couldn't really stay healthy last year. Uh, everyone loves Jarvis Landry, but Devontae Parker is a big, kind of a bigger guy who could make a splash if he can stay healthy. Uh, what did Reception Perception tell you about Parker's season last year? Yeah, so Reception Perception has never been all that kind to Devontae Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started only 12 of 30 games played. Um, in 2015 and 2016 combined Um, you know and if you so I think it's important to paint with some context here with Devontae Parker if you remember Adam Gase made a lot of comments about uh, his ability to stay healthy because he wasn't taking care of himself like wasn't getting enough sleep wasn't you know practicing nutrition correctly and that's important when you're going to be a professional athlete like your body needs to be a machine Um, but Parker's always been a guy Matt Waldman's pointed this out like Parker has always been a guy that's like I'll rely on my you know God-given athletic ability yeah Um, but that hasn't really worked for him all that well in the NFL level in terms of being a consistent receiver that reaches his potential um, his reception perception kind of shows why that is uh this past season which also kind of doubles down on a really poor 2015 season he posted a 51.9 percent success rate versus man coverage that's in the ninth percentile um and his 48.3 percent success rate versus press coverage was in the sixth percentile the only three routes that he scored out above uh, the nfl average were the comeback the other which includes fade routes and improvisational patterns and the screen route which not really all that impressive so Parker has a long way to go in terms of realize again realizing that potential and becoming a route by route threat in terms of and then instead of just being a splash player like there's no question that he's got big play potential he has yeah. definitely some some stud in him um, but I think we need to see him grow more as a technician to before he can reach that um, if if there's one encouraging note it's that the reports out of Miami have been positive this offseason in terms of he like kind of he, he gets it you know he's starting to do that stuff that he needs to so that's something I would try to follow that drumbeat if I was um, interested in Devonte Parker 
breaking out this year because I think that's going to be the key. And if, if we do see that, then I think that his reception perception from his early career doesn't matter all that much because he's clearly taking the time to mitigate these concerns. Cool. Good to know. That is a positive outlook for Parker going forward in 2017. Hopefully it pans out. Uh, let's talk about Washington Redskins. And I know you really like Jameson Crowder. Uh, what did uh, Pierre Garçon is gone now. Deshaun Jackson is gone now. Uh, that opens up some opportunity for Crowder to maybe see some more targets. So what did RP tell you about his year last year? So Jamison Crowder profiles really similarly to a receiver that actually wasn't too surprising that he looks so similar to in reception perception. That was Golden Tate. Cool. Um, and I guess you would think that they do kind of play the same way. They're, they're slot receivers, but they also do a little bit more in the vertical game than you'd think. Um, the one difference between the two is uh, Tate's a better contested catch player, um, but Crowder might be a bit better of a vertical route guy than uh, Golden Tate is. But their success rate versus coverage scores were eerily uh, similar. Hmm. They both uh, came out exactly the same, 56.9%. Um, with, uh, against man coverage, um, and they were within less than four percentage points of each other when facing zone and press coverage. So I think that just goes to show you, like you mentioned, all that opportunity that could be headed Crowder's way yeah. because I think he's the one with the most stable role. Terrell Pryor's there on a one-year deal, and obviously I think he has a great ceiling, but the low floor also exists for him. Josh Doxson's kind of still trying to get some momentum built in his career, mm -hmm. um, and I think that just leads to Crowder being the one wide receiver who's kind of pigeonholed into a role and that's a really good thing because um, I think he's, he's very good and, and could easily catch 90 passes this year much like we've seen Tate do when the situation breaks right. Awesome. Yeah so Crowder had 99 targets and 67 receptions last year for 847 yards. Seven touchdowns. I mean if he can improve on that and get maybe 30 more catches he's going to have a big year. Yeah and he's in the right offense to do it because he's sure. a quarterback that likes having sort of a security blanket like that. Um, Jordan Reed should be that guy, but he also is never consistently healthy. Right. Um, and Crowder also runs routes that Washington really values well in terms of the slant. He ran 23.2% of his routes were slants. The flat route, 17% of his routes were flats, and he scored out above the NFL average on both of those routes. So I think he's just in a really good position to gain a bunch of chunk yardage should the targets come. Cool. All right, let's move on to one of your other favorite wide receivers, John Brown in Arizona. Smokey. Yeah, yeah I'll keep Brown brief because we kind of already talked about this last episode right. with, uh, with Evan did. Silva. but yes. He was on Evan's breakout list, I believe. Right. You know, he endured, obviously, a nightmare season health-wise, um, but... Much like Allen Robinson, I was encouraged to see that his success rates didn't completely fall off the map, even despite playing with like a cyst in his spine and trying to figure out the the uh, the sickle cell trait. Um, his success rate versus man coverage fell uh, to 69.6 percent, but he finished and he finished right within the NFL average against press coverage. But if you look at his 2015 scores back when he was healthy, Brown posted a 67.8 percent success rate versus man coverage and 74.6 percent against press that checked in at the 96th and 72nd percentile respectively so I think Brown can clearly as long as he's healthy and we're hearing all good things right now he can get right back into that upward trajectory and truly break out this season as the kind of the only guy there that's established alongside Larry Fitzgerald so I'm really oh, excited about yeah. very excited about Brown's 2017 season I got Brown on two dynasty teams so oh, that's good for you I'm hanging on to him let's go Oh, hey, Franchise, before we go any further, do you know where you can play 
some of these players that we're talking about in reception perception? Uh, I would love to know, actually. You can play with them on Reality Sports Online. Boom. Do you know what Reality Sports Online is, Franchise? Uh, a little bit, but refresh my memory. So Reality Sports Online is the most powerful fantasy sports platform on the internet. Uh, it makes you essentially feel like you're an actual NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel, uh, so you know it's legit. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics the actual process. It enables owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. Platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, uh, salary cap functionality, injured reserve, franchise tag, and so much more. Test your general manager skills for free with our 14-day free trial at realitysportsonline.com. And if you like what you see, use the promo code HIPSTERS to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Sounds like a deal. It does indeed. So uh, our next guy on our list we want to talk about here in the top 50 on the fantasy footballers wide receivers for 2017. we got Pierre Garçon. He's in a new situation in San Francisco. Um, some history there with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to have a crazy target volume this year. Uh, what can you tell us about his reception perception from last season in Washington? So this is, this is great because this is the perfect example of that opportunity and talent matching up. Nice. Um, and... You know, because obviously people that evaluate the opportunity and, you know, what's market share going to look like in the offense, like you mentioned, really excited about Pierre Garçon's season because he's going to be playing, uh, you know, the X receiver role in Kyle Shanahan's offense, where last time he was doing that on a bad uh, Washington team that went 13-3, and three, he had he led the NFL with 113 catches on 181 targets. It feels really similar to that situation back in, in 2013. Right. Um, now... The good thing about reception perception is, is it shows you, you know, how, how good is uh, Pierre Garçon actually. And I was really surprised with just how legitimately awesome uh, his scores were from 2016. So he posted a 74% uh, success rate versus man coverage. That comes in at the 88th percentile among NFL receivers charted for reception perception. Uh, and he cleared the NFL average against zone and press coverage. Um, I think what was most notably impressive about Pierre Garçon was he posted an above average success rate versus coverage score on every branch of the route tree outside of the comeback and the other. Only one receiver actually posted above average success rates on every single route. Can you guess uh, which receiver that was? Antonio Brown. No, Brown was close. He actually fell under the average on the screen of all things. So uh, really, I mean, who cares? But the, Odell. No, Willie Sneed. Damn it! <laughs> it would have taken me 13 guesses to get that. I know. I feel like i got to do like a giveaway at some point with that as the trivia answer. You should. But, you should. But anyways, and he also came out the 53rd percentile, so above NFL average at converting contested catches. So, I mean, Pierre Garçon should really walk into San Francisco and catch 80 passes in his sleep this year, and he could easily catch 90 or more. So nice. right, right now, like going as off the board wherever he is in fantasy is a total value. I did a football uh, a mock for Football Diehards the magazine and yeah. he I took him in the 6th round of a PPR league that started three wide receivers and a flex. So right. I mean in that situation wide receivers are more valued but nevertheless uh definitely was really enticing there. He's going like end of the ninth round on fantasy yeah. football calculator I mean, that's a, 12 team leagues. That's a knockout. So yeah, yeah that's uh yeah, for a guy who's going to have 100 gazillion targets. And is also really good, which reception perception helps show. So. He's also aging. He's going to be 31 by the time the season starts. So that's just something to keep in yep. mind if you're a dynasty owner. He only had three touchdowns last year, so 
if he can put up another thousand yards and upgrade that touchdown total, he's going to be really good value. There you go. All right, uh, next guy we want to talk about here. Um, uh, two guys. We got the Vikings wide receivers. So Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen. So let's start off with Thielen. Sure, let's do um, it. So he obviously smashed towards the end of the 2016 season. He got rewarded with a contract extension. Um, his reception perception wasn't necessarily as impressive as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, he came out with the with a 20th percentile success rate versus press coverage and 29th percentile success rate versus man coverage. Um, however, where he was really good was on intermediate routes like the curl and deep routes like the nine and corner. Those were hmm. his two best routes. And actually, when you look at his route tree right alongside uh, Alshon Jeffries, they're very, very similar. Um, and I think Jeffrey and Thielen are actually comparable players because Whoa. if you think about Alshon Jeffrey, I mentioned him at the top, he's also somebody that while he's better, he scores out a little bit better than Thielen's. Um, Jeffrey also comes below the 60th percentile in success rate versus man coverage and below the 50th percentile in success rate versus press coverage. However, he has a really strong uh, contested catch conversion rate, and he's also able to function as a vertical threat despite that lack of a success rate. And I think Thielen can kind of do uh, the same way. So I, I think that he's never going to be a high-end separator, but he could be kind of a poor man's Alshon Jeffrey going forward, which I think is a really complimentary thing to say. Um, so he definitely has ability, but I think he should remain the second fiddle to emerging superstar Stefan Diggs. And I love, I love Diggs' game. I mean, he's exactly the type of receiver I always fall for. Um, yeah. He scores out above the average on almost all the routes outside the out in the dig, the two intermediate uh, sharp 90-degree angle routes. Um, his success rate versus um, man coverage has gone up in both of his years. Um, he actually improved his success rate versus zone coverage from 72.7% to 82% in his second season. Um, and he came out, that, and he saw uh, the most impressive thing from this past season, what he got, he's got much better against press coverage. He was sub 40th percentile uh, in 2015, and he jumped to a 72 percentile mark in 2016. So he's getting even better as a route runner, getting better off the line of scrimmage, mitigating his size. He also had a 75% contested catch conversion rate. So despite being a small guy, he can really do it all, much like an Antonio Brown type of player. Cool. Um, so I love Diggs. I think he's a great route runner, and he's a perfect fit for what the Vikings wants. And and as long as he continues to get you know 120 plus targets, I think he can truly break out this year um because he was awesome last year when he was on the field or he wasn't on the injury report right like he was definitely slow in games that he had um an injury or you know didn't practice that week but i think as long as dig stays healthy he's gonna just completely explode this year i mean i think he's a candidate for the top 15 receivers easily awesome i like his outlook second year with sam bradford under center there a little more time to get Get it uh, acquainted with each other, and uh, I like I like what's going on in Minnesota with those wide receivers, Thielen and uh, Diggs. All right, let's move on. Our last guys we're going to talk about today in terms of reception perception, uh, and also in the news this week, right? Uh, the actual wide receiver news, not, not Julian news. Edelman and his Guy Fieri show. Pizza, not not pizza eating with Julian Edelman, but uh, Jeremy Macklin was actually cut by the Kansas City Chiefs this week. Uh, so that Macklin's now a free agent. He hasn't signed yet with anyone, uh, but that leaves Tyreek Hill as the wide receiver one in Kansas City. 
So what can you tell us about Hill's reception perception from last year? And then I know Macklin had kind of a down year. So what did you find out when you uh, charted him as well? Yeah, so you were noting before we started that Macklin's uh, success rate versus press coverage is really low. He's, he's kind of a player that's much like Brandon Cooks, where I don't know that he's necessarily an actual number one receiver in the NFL, he's a, but he's a really good player. And I think reception perception kind of shows that where, his, some, again, some of his overall success rates aren't good, but he's really good on the nine route, the deep out, um, and the curl route, those sort of deep to intermediate patterns, which to me, I actually, the la, I'm reading the, the blurb that I had the year for his reception perce- perception, and I said, if anything, Macklin's assignment in the Chiefs offense somewhat restricts what he can do vertically outside of the flat, the Chiefs make Macklin primarily function on in-breaking short to intermediate patterns, which again really aren't his strength. So I think now he has the opportunity to go to maybe a more vertical passing offense. I think if he landed in Baltimore, um, that would be a big plus. The only problem is it sounds like the Chiefs cut him for salary cap reasons, and yes. so if he's commanding a big price, he might he might price himself out of Baltimore's range. Uh, it does sound like the Bills are uh, going to be in on Macklin. Um, it sounds need- like Shady McCoy is heavily recruiting him to follow him there to Buffalo. They were boys in Philly. Right. right. So, but, but Tyron Taylor does throw a pretty good deep ball. He uh, definitely has a cannon, so oh, maybe yeah. that's one. That's where you could, we could see him end up there, and that would definitely hurt Sammy Watkins' fantasy outlook. Um, so I, I definitely keep your eye on that for Macklin. Hopefully him going to more of a vertical offense. Yeah. Now Tyreek Hill is going gonna, is, is gonna to be even more polarizing than he already was. We talked about this last week with Evan Silva. I actually tweeted out from the Fantasy Hipsters handle the audio clip from that discussion where we talked about, and I said like the analysis of his per-touch efficiency not being repeat, repetitive, repeat, repeat, not being sustainable, right. there's the words, uh, <laughs> that that was going to be tough to repeat. Like, that analysis does nothing for me. It's this, much in the same way, like Evan said, that when people were saying that about Martavis Bryant, it was worthless then because you have to imagine, like, if your analysis does not include the fact that Tyreek Hill is a really good football player and the Chiefs might be looking to expand his role, I'm not interested in, in what you have to say. Um, and sorry, but like the, the, any, any Nimrod can tell you that those numbers are set to regress, like not, not useful. Um, however, what I'm interested in is what he can do as more of a traditional wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And that's where he was really impressive in reception perception. So we obviously have to remember that these are limited looks. Um, however, he cleared the 80th percentile in success rate versus man, zone, and press coverage. Wow. His 80% success rate versus press coverage was perhaps the most impressive, even though he only registered 30 attempts. Again, small sample size. Yeah. He definitely showed that he had some release moves off the line of scrimmage, and I think that that is what's going to give the Chiefs optimism that they can move him into a route-to-route receiver and hopefully have him expand into more of a traditional wide receiver. Obviously, they're going to want to have him return kicks. They're going to want to get them the ball in his hands, much like the Eagles used to do with Deshaun Jackson. They would have him return kicks every now and again. But I think we can see Tyreek Hill develop into more of a traditional wide receiver. That's what the reception perception shows. He also had an 80% contested catch conversion rate despite his size. So, you know, I think he's someone that can play beyond his frame. Um, the only question is, again, you know, that's nice for me to say this, but is that what the Chiefs are going to ask him to do? That's the big X factor why there is some risk in drafting him. But I think this shows there is some optimism to him being more than just a gadget player, um, whereas other guys like Tavon Austin or even Percy Harvin have never been able to score this well in reception perception despite being, you know, gadget players. So really excited about Tyree Kill. Um, he's someone that I'm definitely going to be 
kind of standing up for in this regard as this way. And also, uh, Chris Conley and is someone that I'm going to be looking at too in, in reception perception in the next couple of weeks. So keep your eye out on that in the ultimate draft kit, where, as I mentioned, I will be updating as the summer goes along. So when I get to players like Chris Conley, they'll go in there. Nice. So Tyreek Hill definitely is going to be polarizing, but again, I think like if you're just going to offer me like uh, he's not going to sustain that sustain that efficiency, then I I mean I don't know I don't know what to tell you. That's just not like a helpful piece of analysis. Do you think he's worth drafting at the end of the fourth round where he's no like right that's now? that's crazy because I think then you're making him probably your wide receiver two. Yeah. Um, unless you're going like straight up zero RB, um, and he's your third or fourth wide receiver. Um. I think I would only be interested in Tyreek Hill if he falls to it falls to like the sixth round, which yeah. I think is possible. That's where I'd been getting him in MFL tens, and then he's my third wide receiver or even fourth wide receiver on a wide receiver heavy team where he can be the like weekly trump card. You know, I mean, you get you have two consistent producers at the position, and then you have Hill to throw in there so that you're kind of insulated from his weekly downside, but you're still exposed to that ceiling. Again, we just don't know what the Chiefs are going to ask of Tyreek Hill. If they're going to ask him to inherit the largest percentage of Macklin's target share, um, then he might be worth end up being worth a fourth-round pick. I mean, it's kind of it's tough to say because it's still the Chiefs' offense, but yeah. I think he needs, he's a player that we need to pay attention to all offseason in terms of what they're asking him to do, and especially in preseason games. Agreed. All right, everyone. Get some water? Yeah, well, that's it. So I need to get uh, some water. <laughs> have a lozenge? But yeah, so that's uh, so that's the reception perception breakdown. Ooh, um, that's awesome. If you guys enjoyed that, I would encourage you to please go to receptionperception.com. Yes. Laugh at my picture, then hover your mouse over <laughs> it, um, and buy the ultimate draft kit. This is really, uh, it's my baby. It's my baby born and, and come to life and put in a much more presentable fashion than I ever could. Shout out to uh, Mike, Andy, and Jason. Um, and their entire team, Brooks and Kyle and everybody that puts the ultimate draft kit together because this thing looks freaking awesome. Uh, it's and, crazy. And yeah, they, they made reception perception look better than it uh, than it ever has before. So uh, if you want more access to wide receiver data, that is the place to go. Like I said, you can't get this stuff any anywhere else and, and I'm giving it to you. Nice, dude. So, all right, let's uh, wrap this up and talk about music and beer on the other side. Yep, let's do it. Cool. All right, everybody, we want to remind you about the sponsor of today's show. It's the Duchamp's Grooming Company. Their vintage-inspired, handmade grooming products for the modern-day man are incredible. They have a fantastic beard oil and beard balm to get your facial hair looking just right. They also have a hair wax to make you look stylish as, as all get out, or even a little bit of lip balm there that's scented very nice. Now, for the ladies out there, if you still want to grab some products from them, which we encourage you to do so, they have plenty of kits to get your loved ones a present. All these handmade products are awesome. I use them every day. I have them in my pocket right now. They even have a signature scent. Um, you can find all this stuff at the online shop at www.duchampsgroming.co. That's duchampsgrooming.co. They have an online shop and follow them on Instagram, Duchamps Grooming Co. and on Twitter at Duchamps Groom Co. Find them, follow them, retweet them, and buy their stuff. All right, let's get back to the show. All right.
to the Fantasy Hipsters podcast uh, franchise. Why don't you tell the people who is sponsoring the music and beer segment of the week? It's the same sponsor as per the huge Flag and Anthem, their men's clothing line. Go to flagandanthem.com, sign into the shop, browse their shirt. They got shirts, they got shorts, they got pants, they got jeans, they got hats. They got everything you want to upgrade your closet for summertime. Stay cool in the heat. Look, they make they make clothing for guys who are too busy enjoying life to obsess about micro trends like us. We ain't got time to obsess. I, I do about not micro have time. trends. No, I mean, no time you, to obsess. You're over there charting fifty damn receivers. You can't worry about micro. You think trends. I have time for micro trends? No, no time for micro trends. No, no. I have time for Flag and Anthem to send me some sick clothes from their website. That's and that's what we're talking about here. And you're upgrading your closet, and at the same time, you're getting 25% off with our promo code FANTASYHIPSTERS, one word, at flagandanthem.com. Your first order, you get 25% off. Enter that promo code FANTASYHIPSTERS. Follow Flag and Anthem on Instagram and Twitter. They do random sales all the time on Twitter, so keep an eye out for those. I, right now, am rocking a little bit of a Western-style short sleeve button-up that's 100% cotton, super thin and light. Uh, plaid, red, white, and blue, perfect for summertime. You got July 4th coming up. Mm-hmm. Get some red, white, and blue from Flag and Anthem. It's perfect. I mean, what I, What else can I say? What else can you say? I've got my Flag and Anthem shirt on with the little... Uh, got some cacti and a sunset. Yeah, black tee, looking good. They, I just got a bunch of new shorts from them that are... I already wore them the Saturday on the hike. And awesome. Real stretchable. Oh, Gotta let Key. yourself move, let yourself breathe a little. Yeah, you know, summertime, it can get hot out there for us fellas. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The humidity, you need some room. Go to Flag and Anthem, Fantasy Hipsters, 25% off your first order. Thank us later. Yeah, you're welcome already in advance. All right, franchise, <laughs> well, tell us who the music pick of the week is while I get up and grab the beers that I was going to, because I forgot to grab them uh, when we stopped recording. Go. All right, so this week's music pick is a band that is... the. the the pronunciation of their name is Laney, but it's spelled L-A-N-Y, all caps. And it's kind of, their name is kind of an acronym for, for Los Angeles, New York. They wanted to uh, incorporate both East and West Coast in their name. That's kind of lame. It's not lame. It's, it's hipster. Okay. Uh, debatable. They're from L.A., but continue. a lot of their lyrics are Cali- about California stuff. Uh, but I just really like their vibe. They're laid back. Their genre is called electro pop indie pop dream pop it's basically three dudes the singer has a really cool kind of uh comforting voice that you can just kind of put on if you're maybe you're doing some writing or uh you know you're you're balancing your checkbook maybe and you know as us hipsters do manually instead of doing things online these days yeah totally i definitely do that throw some (laughs) laney on and you know you know it's good stuff uh it's cool I just like their vibe. I can't really talk too much about their sound because it's just kind of dream pop really says it all. It's just chill vibes. There's little guitars and synths going on in the background. I really dig the guy's voice. Uh, some of the key tracks that I like are, the main one is called Where the Hell Are My Friends. That's a good track. Uh, Where the hell are my friends? Where the hell are my friends? It's good. I, I think the biggest draw to this I find band. find myself asking that all the time. Yeah, I think the biggest draw to me for this band is their lyrics because if you really listen to the lyrics, you get their vibe. Uh, it's just a it's just a chill, layback kind of West Coast vibe. So they have some songs on Spotify. I'll throw my favorite tracks on the Fantasy Hipsters playlist. Uh, a couple people have asked about where they where they can find that. It is called uh, the Fantasy Hipster Picks playlist on Spotify. I'll tweet it. We'll tell you guys uh, about it again in the mailbag section, uh, mailbag episode. 
But yeah, Lanny, it's L-A-N-Y. Check them out. Uh, that's what I've been listening to a lot lately. I, I, honestly, I don't really know much about them. I just know that I like them. So deal with it. I like it. Well, here's what I like. Yeah, tell us about some brewskis. Beers. And listener of the show, Dustin, sent us in some e- or sent us in some beers. A ton. I mean, a ton of good stuff. I tweet or I Instagrammed the picture. Um, really sh- big shout out to to Dustin Hogue who sent us in some uh, a bunch of different beers. And, and I drank two on Saturday night, and I'd like to talk about them. Sure. The first one comes in, and I'm on there. Or, no, no. The first one comes in is the Alter Ego from Treehouse Brewing Company. It's an IPA. Uh, big 6.8% uh, ABV in this one pint can. Look at that can. It's a good looking That's can. nice. Yes, it's a it nice is one. a nice can. Um, it's one of their rotating taps. It's 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 really, really good. I got to be honest. It's one of the more like refreshing, not super hoppy IPAs. So if you're if you're someone that isn't a big fan, I bet you would like this. You know, you're not too big of a fan of IPA, but, you know, you, uh, you enjoy it every now and again. This is not too, like punchy right uh, like those double triple quadruple ipas i'm like get that out of here right it's it yeah it's it, it's got a good like a good little bit of like a citrus to it but it's not too overpowering it's just really smooth and drinkable uh the second beer that he, that he sent that i wanted to talk about comes in from the Vale brewing company from uh, richmond virginia Ooh. i'm on their website right now by the way and it's asking me are you at least 21 years of age shout out to the beginning of the podcast yes I <laughs> yes am. or no um so the one, the reason I wanted to highlight this one, and he sent us a couple from from here. Uh, this one I drank on Saturday is called the Young Lions IPA, six point six percent. But my favorite part of it was if you look on the bottom part of the can here, it's great for audio podcasting. But you can see this on my Instagram too, Matt Harmon underscore byb. I, I posted this. There's like a skull with the recycling thing on there, and it says recycle or die. I mean, yeah, true. Listen. Got to save the planet, people. It's the world in which we live. Right. I mean, look, our president obviously doesn't care about the uh, environment per the Paris Climate Agreement, whatever, but I care about the uh, environment. I'm passionate about this issue. Actually, funny story. Uh, This goes off the beer thing, but uh, one thing I did this weekend, in addition to hiking and drinking these beers and a few other things, (laughs) um, so I'm starting a new project where I take old, like, containers of of protein powder for protein shakes right the big plastic jugs yeah yeah and i'm turning them into pots that i'm planting things in on on my balcony outside yo hipster level like off the charts yeah Yeah. that's 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 pretty hipster uh so what i did was i took the took the jars and then i painted on the outside with like a rubber and then i painted some little splashes on there with like a chalkboard paint to keep it a little more insulated from the heat Cool. Uh, so really excited. I'm going to be paint, I'm going to be planting a sunflower in there uh, this, wow. this weekend. So all about reduce, reuse, recycle, baby. And if you disagree, pff, stop listening to the podcast. Peace, love, and flowers, bro, and beer. Exactly, and, and beer. Music. So those are my beer picks of the week. Shout out to Dustin. I am going to be enjoying a lot more of these beers before I get on an airplane uh, Wednesday and actually head back to Virginia. So nice. That's the plan. All right, I'm down. I got to try those light IPA-ness. I will, se- I will send you one. Uh, I will send you on your way with one today. I'll get drunk on my way home, and then I'll get On the lo- bus? I'll get lost in the you L.A. Get, River. I mean, you get arrested. Yeah, that too. Don't do that. Don't get arrested, because I don't want to have to do this podcast from jail. Well, you'll be in jail. It's- I'll have the remote in. <laughs> Your one phone call yeah. for the week will be, <laughs> yeah. I'll Scott, call you on Skype and we'll do a podcast. It'll be like a 15-minute hit. Yeah. Your t- time's up, Mr. Francisco. Yeah, exactly, exactly. 
All right. Hey, dude, I think that wraps up this episode. I think, think it does. I think we're done. All right. Jam-packed stuff. Uh, receptionperception.com. Absolutely. So, yeah. You idiots. Please, yeah. You idiots. Go to receptionperception.com and God. buy my work. God. But seriously, thanks. Stuff. We want to thank everybody again for listening like you do every week. You guys show us a ton of support. This podcast has been a lot of fun to do this off season, and uh, we're, sure. we're enjoying bringing it to you. So continue to show your support for the show uh, by subscribing, rating, reviewing on iTunes. We need some more five-star reviews. Uh, five stars only, baby. Um, and <laughs> We delete the other ones. Yeah. No, actually, I wish we could. You can't. That, but you can't. That's, <laughs> that would be like stuffing the ballot. Right. Um, anyway, so... Please continue to subscribe, rate, review, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your the people at your local coffee shop, and also show some support to our sponsors, Flag and Anthem, Do Champs Grooming, Reality Sports Online, and right. use their stuff. Yes. Uh, but I think, if you, unless you have anything else to say. I'm good to go, man. Let's get out of here. Hipster's out. Drink some beer. Yeah. Hipster's out. Hey, welcome to episode 21 of the Fantasy Hipsters Podcast. Mm, 21. Mm, 21. We have been replaced by robots. Oh, robots took over after episode 20. They deleted our lives. Harmon deleted. <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete. Disintegrated into dust. That's about time. I was waiting for that moment. Now it's just spreadsheets. Only spreadsheets. And percentages. Today's podcast is brought to you by <laughs> calculators. <laughs> Texas Instruments. Tomorrow's podcast will be brought to you by power surges. <laughs> I don't know. Please sit on my face. Okay, stop. <laughs>